Hello and welcome to the Growing Green Podcast. Your host, Jeremiah Jennings, is the owner of Growing Green Landscapes in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a passion for growing the entrepreneurship community for those who are young in business. Being a business owner isn't easy, especially in the early years, and that's why in this show we dive into a wide range of topics covering all the challenges small business owners deal with. Even if your company is generating a million dollars or more, the stories from our great guest and Jeremiah's own firsthand experiences will propel your business forward. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green Podcast today. This is your host, Jeremiah Jennings. We are glad to be coming to you with another fresh new episode for you, and it's an awesome guest interview with none other than Mike Andes, the man, the myth, the legend himself, coming off of a great event uh, up in Washington. Man, I hate I missed it, but it was super cool to see like all the online stuff that you put out, all the people that attended the event. Tell us uh, how what was I mean, what was the feedback at that event? It was a blast. I know mean, I think it was a different bit of a different tone um, compared to typical in the past is growing expansion, et cetera. We saw folks a lot more in defense. Um, as you head into recession and also in terms of, you know, the, the more soft skills of owning the business in terms of relationships, um, you know, mental health, things like that. So uh, I think those are important defensive measures to have going into a recession when it's not going to be popular to start businesses. It's not going to be popular to be growing businesses and um, there's going to be a lot of headwinds. So it was a bit of a different tone, but overall, I think it was, it was a lot of fun. So what do you think, what is advice that you would give to people to, well, one, are you like preaching recessions coming? What do we need to do to get in place? What are some plans and procedures to, to put into your businesses? For the guys that didn't make the event or didn't see this info, what does that look like moving forward? Because we were just talking off air, like how important it is to know your numbers. We talk about it all the time, but are people actually doing it? Um, what does that look like for you? What would you say to business owners heading into, we're in January right now, February, March, spring rush is right around the corner. What do we need to be doing for this upcoming season, the 2023 season, to to remain profitable and not just survive a recession, but also like continue to thrive and grow our businesses through it? Yeah, I think the, the thing we talked about was like having that perfect balance of defense versus offense, right? Offense is growth, expansion, spending money on marketing, hiring more people. Uh, your defensive measures are going to look very different, and that is going to be cutting costs, looking at your overhead, looking at fixed expenses, uh, getting out of debt um, and paying things off, having more cash on hand. And so we talked about a specific uh, instance where they had a uh, HBR, a Harvard Business Review. They did a 4,000 4, companies over the course of you know several recessions, and they looked at who was the best outcome, who, who came out on the other side the best. And it was the balance of two different things, both defensive and offensive measures. So at the same time that they are cutting expenses, looking at overhead, um, reducing headcount, et cetera. They're also at the same exact time spending money on marketing, going to new verticals, staying you know very aggressive when it comes to growth and expansion. They came out the best. So it wasn't just the people who went all defensive and said, oh, we're cutting, we're doing every, we're going to cut out services, we're going to cut out people, we're not going to hire anymore, we're not going to market, we're going to cut our marketing budget. And then it's not also the people that went full of frontal assault. And I'm hearing this a lot too, and you're like, I'm going like, to take over my market and just like go crazy. I'm going to go get more trucks. Like that's also not the the right measure. Um, typically, historically, when you go through a recession. So we talked a lot about how, how do you have that kind of intersection between the defense and offense um, in the business going into a recession. And that's typically the the best outcome. And so I would say for most people going into this, in, into this recession, um, in this industry, 
And, and like we've been talking about for a year going into a quote unquote recession, like last year is when I thought I really talked about how, how are we going to get ready for it? Because um, now we're a little bit deeper into it. Now, like in 2023, the housing market is going to get cracked. Um, like it's not a question. It will like 100 percent. It already has in some spots. So um, when the housing market hit, gets hit, that's typically when it affects our industry the most, because when people don't have equity in their house or they're upside down, uh, they start changing their buying behaviors around home improvement. And so um, as that happens, the companies that have the leanest operations, they don't have a lot of fixed expenses. Um, they don't have a whole bunch of variable rate debt. They have great asset utilization, utilization so they're not having trucks and equipment sitting in their shop all day long. Um, that, those are the type of companies that will win because uh, they'll be able to have they'll be able to deploy that that margin and that efficiency towards marketing at a time when customer acquisition costs will actually go down in my opinion because the cost per click will go down because so many people will cut their marketing budget and the, the biggest risk to everyone is the fact that at a time in a recession what's going to happen is your customer acquisition cost might go down only if you are good at marketing. Um, if you have no idea how to market, you have no idea how to do, do an offer, how, how to create a unique selling proposition, how to have a, an offer in place with scarcity. If you don't know how to do any of those things, what's going to happen in a recession is your attrition is going to go up. You're going to lose customers. Your closing ratio is going to go down because people are going to be much more price sensitive uh, and consumer demand goes down. Uh, and if you can't replace them at the top of that funnel with new leads and new customers, that's the person who's in trouble. And so, in my opinion, the person who's going to get, you know, get caught with their pants down in this recession is the person that's been saying for the past 10, 12, 14 years since our last recession that, oh, I just don't have a mark. I don't have a website. I don't paint my truck. I don't have uniforms. I get all this work. I just turn work down all the time. I don't need to do any marketing. Everyone just calls me all the time for referrals. Um, that person will get caught down with their pants down because now they will not be able to refill the, the top of the funnel when attrition is going rampant. That's amazing that you say that because that's something that's talked about like all the time. I've heard that said of like, oh, we just grow our business off word of mouth. We just do this. We just do that. So let's talk marketing really quickly. As we head into the season, like this spring rush is right around the corner. So marketing is top of mind for a lot of people. How are we going to grow? How are we going to scale? What does a good marketing plan look like if you've never done it before? Because there's a lot of guys that are in these that are listening to our show who are in years three to five in business. Well, let's just be honest. The last three to five years of our service industry businesses, they've done pretty well for themselves. And you haven't had to do much. You haven't had to sell. You haven't had to be a good salesman. You just haven't had to. And, and I'm one of the business owners. who I, I'm in year five now. Like I've, I've grown up in an industry, grown up, quote unquote, grown up in an industry where I haven't had to be a true salesman because- the work has just come in. So what do we need to do? How do we need to equip ourselves with marketing plans moving forward? And also, what does it look like setting up a marketing budget? Because that's something that is also, I get a lot of questions about like, how much should I spend here? Um, just what does a marketing plan attack look like for this upcoming season? Yeah, like I look at marketing um, and referrals kind of like this. Like, so my mom's from Australia. We went over there a um, long time ago and a lot of them have, instead of having running water, they have these catch basins, these massive catch basins that when it rains, it rains in there, goes in this massive tank, and then that's basically what they get all their water off of. Um, I look at the rain sort of like referrals, and that is, you know, if it rains, great. We're going to keep them. We're going to keep them in our funnel. We're going to try to sell them. But in an extended period of dry space, if you do not have a well, if you have not dug, done the hard work of digging down and actually getting finding water below the surface of the of the earth, you're going to be in a, in a really tough time. And so in my opinion, it's been raining pretty substantially 
over the past 14 years in our industry in terms of marketing and referrals. There's like people coming in, everyone wants our services. You basically need to put a, a door hanger that says like, these are the services I offer, yeah. here's my phone number and people are calling you. Um, that's no longer gonna happen because now when that dries up, it's like who has done the hard work of a brand, a great website, actually knows how to sell people. That well is what's gonna keep someone through a recession. And they'll be able to thrive when everyone else is drying up and everyone's like dying and crying, oh, it's the economy and labor market's horrible. And everyone will go, go out of business because they're running off of the rain and the referrals. It's the person who's dug down deep that will be able to survive. And so in terms of what that looks like, it's like you can no longer just say, hey, I mow lawn. Who wants services? Because now when customer demand shrinks by 30, 40%, because now people are laid off. They're trying to cut money. They're trying to cut uh, cost. They, you know, they don't have any money in their retirement. Their credit card statements are are maxed out at twenty percent interest or whatever it is. Um, when that starts to happen, the person that is able to know how to, knows exactly what their customer acquisition cost is and knows how much it costs to get a click, a lead, and a customer. That person can play the game of math. So when I know, okay, it's a dollar per click, and I can get. 2% of them to convert to a lead. That means $50 is my lead acquisition cost. And I know I have a 50% close ratio. Therefore, I have $100 customer acquisition cost. That means for $100 that I pump in the top of my funnel, I'm going to get one customer out. And so if I know that math, then I can create a budget around it, right? Okay, I expect to have a, if I expect 30% attrition because we're going into a recession or 40%, let's, like, let's see how bad we can make this. Okay, if we expect 40% attrition or 40% of my customers are going to leave, how many customers will have to quote unquote buy at $100 per to fill the funnel to keep me at the same same revenue. That's a number of people should know, right? Um, you can't do that if you don't know the math of your customer acquisition cost and what your attrition is, how many customers are leaving every single day, every single week, every single year. So if you know those two things, you can budget now, okay, I'm going to have to spend X amount just to keep my, my, my current database at the same number. Then it's okay, well, if you want to grow, then it's a matter you need to know your lifetime value of your customer. So if I know that I, on my annual value is say $2,000 per customer and I'm going to spend $100 on each of them for customer acquisition costs, great. I want to grow by $200,000 this year. Okay, great. You're getting 100 customers. But with attrition, you're getting 140. Hey, if I need 140 customers at $100 per, I need to spend, what is that, $14,000 on marketing. That's what will get, will, get, will get me to that size of business. So you just got to run the math backwards. Um, but most people don't know those intermediate numbers and they're just, they're literally just guessing. Like, I'm going to spend $10,000. I'm going to spend 5,000 marketing. How much are you going to grow this? Year? Oh, like 200,000. Oh, I'm going to grow like 50%. Like mm -hmm. they have, they have no idea how to run yeah. the math on that. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, that's what I'm trying to hopefully, uh, get people to focus more on. Yeah. So after you find your customer acquisition costs, it is, is there also a strategic plan on how to market, like where to spend that money? I mean, what do you, what has Augusta done over the years to grow and, I mean, do they spend it on Facebook marketing or email marketing or postcards? Like, what does that look like for somebody who's trying to just really grow their company this year? Yeah, like, um, I think every market is so different. And so what people need to do is instead of like, oh, I heard this podcast. They said I should do Facebook ads or yeah. they should do YouTube ads. Or instead of doing that, you should test five of them and you should just objectively look at what is the performance of them? What are your customers saying when you talk to them? an estimate like i'm i'm okay with people asking over the phone but the real test is when you go to them in person and you ask them because you need a real answer because over the phone they're like oh i see your trucks all the time mm. oh i saw i saw a door hanger well really the door hanger was three weeks old and they just saw one of your trucks blow their their neighbor's yard and that's why they called you right so talking getting some dialogue seeing if okay everyone's mentioned my facebook ads i'm getting random people coming up to me in the store and saying like oh i see your your, your ads 
that starts to be okay. That's a that's a data point. Seeing what's working. Um, if no one mentions your next door ad, probably not a good idea to never do a next door ad again, mm -hmm. right? Just deploy that capital elsewhere. So I say in three, three, four months, someone can run tests across like four or five different channels and then see what's working and then just deploy more money towards it. Um, and then just, just step back and realize that by having multiple, sometimes you're going to get the one that has the most direct uh, way to contact you is probably the one that's going to perform the best, even though the other ones are more brand awareness. Or and contact points that are giving awareness to the customer that they, they then call when you ask for a call in a really direct way. For example, a lot of times the call now buttons on Facebook do well. And so they're like, oh, they do great. And so people run them like, oh, no, it didn't work. It's like the reason that call now button worked is because in that neighborhood, you did an every door direct mail campaign, you had Google ads running, you did a next door ad campaign, and you were in the newspaper that week. So like if that happens, then they see you on Facebook and it's just really easy to click call now. Yes, it's going to convert really well because that's the most direct form of marketing. It's like the most direct response. It's called direct response marketing. Yeah. And so um, just be careful when it comes to your metrics and, and looking at the math of it, because sometimes the most direct form of marketing will be the one that seems like it does the best on paper, but there are other touch points that have create awareness, thereby leading to the sale down the road. Mm, that's good. The, the thing that I think you mentioned there is not only testing out different options, but finding out finding out how people hear about you. That's one thing that I don't think people do enough is you do, you spend all this money, you run all these campaigns, but then you just, they call and you never ask why. And that's something I have to catch myself with. I'm like, if I'm, if I'm spending money on things, I need to know what's performing the right way and what's doing the, what's being the most beneficial for my company. So that's, that's hilarious that you say that because I just, I know so many people that don't do that. And, and I think it's just crucial to keep a business up and running, uh, especially in a time like we're heading into. So, well, that is, that's really valuable information. I, I think marketing a plan, having a marketing plan moving into this season is going to be huge. Not only having a marketing plan, but also having a budget. And so I want to, really quickly hit on this because we were talking right before we hit record about building a budget and a lot of people build a try to build a budget the wrong way they, they try to take the outputs and um, without the inputs and so they try to build the outputs without without having the inputs to actually know what you, how to build a budget so what do you recommend as far as building a budget for the for the overall year of tracking uh, tracking your expenses tracking your time things like that what does that look like as far as how do we how do we get that basis started so we can build a successful budget maybe in 2024 having the statistics from this coming year well guys thanks for tuning into the show today and i'm so excited to be bringing to you a new live event in our industry it's called synced live it's the second annual event and it's going to be on february the 6th and the 7th of 2023 at the cobb galleria in atlanta georgia some of the leaders that are going to be speaking in at this event from our industry are jim mccutcheon deborah cole Mike Haynes, Jay Worth, Joe Langton, and many more. There's literally probably 10 more on this list that I'm not even reading. So there's going to be a ton of value packed from speakers there. There's also going to be education topics going on in and around the booth at the event. They're going to be talking about recruiting and retaining employees, innovation, automation, and the ROI of automation. There's going to be tons of stuff on that. There's also going to be 70 plus vendors. Now, you don't want to go to the trade show and not see vendors. So, like we said, 70 plus vendors. There's going to be vendors pertaining to porcelain paving, natural stone paving, walling systems, smart measurement, robotic mowers, tech, software, everything in between. It's going to be full of, full of value and full of great vendors and exhibits that we get to go look at and try things out for our business and see how we can make our businesses better in the future. So, like I said, it's our second annual event, Synced Live. 
February 6th and 7th in Atlanta, Georgia. The 6th is a half a day of the show. The full day is on the 7th on Tuesday. I can't wait to be a part of this. I can't wait to show up and be there and network, hang out with all of you guys. This is my first year going. If you've never gone, if you didn't go last year, make it out this year, Atlanta, Georgia. It's well worth your ticket price just for the education alone, not even to mention all the vendors and things you're going to get to see and the networking you're going to get to do. So come out and see us in Atlanta on February the 6th and the 7th at Sync Live, Cobb Galleria. We can't wait to see you there. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, like I, I think some people do better with budgets and then other people do better with historical data. Um, I don't think anyone should beat themselves up with like, oh man, I don't have a budget or like, I don't know what my numbers are. Like some people do better with budgeting. They like looking into the future and then like, they stick to a plan. And then other people are better at looking back at a year and be like, okay, where did I make mistakes? Where, where could I improve, et cetera? Um, I think most people should spend less time on budgeting and more on knowing the numbers of their historical data because that tells a story versus just making up random projections that most of the time people have no idea what they're doing um and even if you're using software it's like well there's just so many great areas of what expenses should be in certain categories and all the rest it's like look if you know the numbers of like for example close ratio attrition rate your annual value per customer like we just done the math right there a few minutes ago on what your marketing budget should be and that is okay well my marketing budget needs to be fourteen thousand dollars just to make sure i have the same amount of customers or to grow by two hundred thousand in annual revenue like if your goals of top line revenue are changing, it should affect every single line item in the PL. And so that needs to be taken account though by the fact that you know all these other numbers. Like if your close ratio is going to drop by 50% this year, either you're spending more money on marketing, you're going to restrict restrict growth and and, con- and contract, um, or you're gonna become become less profitable and lower prices so you can keep your close ratio up. Like close ratio is the number that I'm just incredibly amazed that people do not know um i'm also amazed by like things like uh how long it takes people someone to get a like what percentage of people allow their quotes to just never hear back from them uh and the status of that quote is just sent mm. and it forever and i, I would imagine 20 30 percent of people's estimates literally they never get a response on no 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 yes just nothing yeah it's crazy um it's lost opportunity and people would just focus more time on that instead of like the hypotheticals of what I'm going to spend this year on gas. Like you have no idea what gas is going to cost in 12 months. I don't either. So why spend any time on that instead of the things that you can control, like how long it takes for you to get an estimate closed and your automation process around getting that, that closed sale. And why not focus some more time on like, how do we cut down on fuel expenses overall by just reducing our route density? Um, Those are things that you can control. You can't control the fuel costs. You can't control the insurance costs. You can't control the cost of, of vehicles. So why project? Like, I'm not saying I'm against budgeting. I'm just saying vast majority of people spend way too much time on that because it's easy, it's fluffy, and you're never going to get it wrong. Whereas looking back is painful and realizing there's things you can improve. And it takes a lot, lot more digging than just being like, like oh, like, well, if we're going to grow 10%, we're just going to add 10% to all these line items and call it a budget. Like, great, you create a budget. It has absolutely nothing for you because if, if fuel prices double tomorrow, you just use your, your budget out the window, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think people spend way too much time um, pontificating on what's going to happen in the future in their business because they are afraid of what happens if they look back into the, the past of their business and actually start seeing the numbers and the data. Yeah, looking back uh, looking back at your own mistakes is one that can be really eye-opening. And it can actually – I think if you actually take it and don't just shove it under the rug, though, you actually realize, like, okay, we have a lot to change. We have a lot to fix and move, and move on and learn from your own mistakes. How often – I mean uh, – 
as far as following up with people, you say a lot of people never ever get responses from their estimates. When do you draw the line personally, or what advice would you give to drawing the line of like, okay, I'm just, I, I need to stop. I need to stop emailing uh, them back about this estimate. Like, never. Okay. Harass them, dude. Dude, if they asked for an estimate and you went and spent 30 minutes talking to them, another 25 minutes putting together their design, another 15 minutes putting together their pricing, send this quote out, you drove 30 minutes to their house. If you actually look at the, let's just say you're charging $100 per hour out in the field. And now you have spent half an hour driving there, half an hour talking to them, another hour putting together the estimate. Then your your uh, quote, your office person putting it all together. You said, let's just call it three budgeted out, three hours. That's $300. Let's now look at the cost per lead. Let's just say it's $100 you spent to get this lead. Really got $400. Why in the world do we think it's acceptable for them to just like ghost us and never hear back from us? I want to know. I want to like, tell me that I'm too expensive. Tell me that you don't like the way I did my hair. Tell me that we didn't like the way I smell. Whatever it is, that's fine. I just want to know. And if, if it's too too expensive, great. I'll, I'll try to remove that objection. However, I just want to have a no. And that, if you get to that point, that's how you you tell a customer like, hey, Mr. Jones, if, you, if no is the answer, fine. I just want to know why you would not accept and that's fine, but I need an answer. And I'm okay with harassing them until I give you an answer. Mm. Um, and something I guess like, I do not think it's acceptable. And that is when I look at quotes and I scroll down, I want to see one loss, one loss. If I start seeing sent two, three, four weeks ago, like you're never going to close them. Don't think that like some automation yeah. four months from now are going to get them to convert. And secondly, that's lost opportunity, lost money spent on driving to their house, talking to them, advertising to them is a waste. And so um, if people actually calculate how much an estimate being sent to a customer costs them, especially if they're doing in-person estimates and not over the phone, they would absolutely be harassing people and getting follow-ups and making sure they have an automated process and calling them and showing up at their house with a printed off uh, estimate and be like, hey, yes or no. Yeah. Like, yeah. who would do that? <laughs> no, that's right. You took the words out of my mouth. Like if, if people knew the acquisition costs and knew all of the or, or at least realize what goes into it, then then you would like you're just throw you're lighting three or four hundred dollars and throw and just throwing it away like that you're burning it essentially. When it comes to even your from a budgeting perspective, when someone says, "Oh, like I'm going to spend ten thousand dollars in marketing and then they grow by X amount," it's like great. Let's also take into account the fact that every single one of those leads you're going to go do an estimate for. Well, that might mean that that ten thousand dollars just became fifty thousand dollars actual cost to the business because of the overhead in the form of office wages, um, driving up to people's property, the estimator's time. So that's why I say growth sucks cash. What people don't realize is that $10,000 in marketing, that's going to allow you to grow 200000 also is $30,000 worth of overhead. It's also the fact that you're going to buy another truck and equipment that's not fifty grand. So now all of a sudden you're paying about seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 in cash requirements for that $200,000 in revenue growth. And that's why I say growth sucks cash. It, grows, it just sucks cash from an acquisition standpoint, from a fulfillment standpoint, actually getting them to become a customer. And then also from the perspective of, you know, you need the direction of the equipment, you need the stuff to actually get the work done. Mm, that's good. So when you say a customer says, tells you no, you want an answer to why they say no? Oh, I'm talking to them. Absolutely. Like if they just decline my estimate, that's fine. Like I'm, is, if I'm really busy, I'm not probably not going to like, hey, I want to yeah, know yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably not going to happen. Um, but if it's gone so far in the process of me following up with them, emails, phone calls, they're not getting back to me. I would literally call them and be like, yo, why? I just want an answer. Even if it's no, totally fine. I just want to know why. And then I'll, I'll stop harassing you. But until then you're going to expect a call from me every single yeah. day until this is either yes or no. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine. Like, I, I really think people should take that uh, to heart. Um, I think, uh, we owe it to ourselves as contractors to realize that we, a valuable time and this we're going to spend three four hours investing into a, a potential lead that they at least deserve a no 
or a yes from us, yeah. like it's not rocket science. Yeah, so. yeah. Don't don't shortchange yourself at all or your time. Um, this is all extremely good stuff that I think is going to have a lot of people heading into this year. I tell you what, if you don't mind, what are some things? This let's go broad business entrepreneurship perspective here out of the green industry. You've built multiple businesses. You've scaled multiple businesses. What are principles, uh, one or two or three or whatever you think is is valuable to help business owners grow as entrepreneurs? Because entrepreneurship is not easy. And, and so let's, like I said, X the green industry thing. Let's just talk owning a business. People that want to expand their businesses. What are what are things that you've done along the way to help you become successful? Is it is it knowing your numbers? Is it networking? Is it marketing correctly? Like, what is it for you that has that has helped you grow multiple businesses and gotten you to the point you're at today? It's um, a broad question. Not comparing yourself, yeah, not comparing yourselves though, um, and, and realizing that every input of data and learning needs to come with the context of what size of business does this refer to. Mm. So if, if you're listening to someone and they're talking about how important something is, you need to ask yourself before you synthesize that data, how, what size of company are they running and what side of company is this relevant for? Um, the reason I say that is because there are a lot of people that will listen to people have 5, 10, 15, $20 million companies in this in this industry that are buying brand new trucks, leasing them, et cetera. And they're like, oh, they do that. They think it's awesome. They save all this money on taxes and they use section 179. And the government's basically paying for a third of it and all the rest of it. So then they run over to their business that has 150000 in annual revenue. And they think mm-hmm. they need to go buy new trucks, equipment every single year. When in reality, the only reason that the other company is doing that is because they have a million dollars in EBITDA to protect from taxes. When you and your business have $20,000 and will not pay taxes on any of that. And so to go out and buy new stuff under the guise of tax uh, savings is ludicrous. And so what we need to... Th- focus on is what size of business am I am and what what size business am I and what information is relevant to me at my size like size matters when it comes to business information yeah. and so if you're going to listen to someone that is doing 150,000 200,000 in annual revenue they're going to talk a lot about their equipment because they're with it every single day it's a very important part of their business if you're talking to someone who's a million two million three million like myself like I do do not care about equipment it like flip a coin I am, I'm starting four new locations in North Carolina, my, my regional manager. I have no idea in the world what type of equipment he's buying because he just knows I don't care. He doesn't even run it by me. Like it, it just, it's completely inconsequential. It's like he just knows, good dealer, buy equipment, right? Like that's the only thing that matters. It does not matter the brand. It does not matter at all. Um, and so that's, that, that, that thought process is only built through someone that has built million-dollar-plus businesses and knows how to replicate it. That if that's not what you want, you don't need to listen to me, mm. right? If you want to build a hundred thousand, two hundred thirty, and that's what you, is perfect for your lifestyle, your equipment is extremely important, and you should go out and run five tests and do a bunch of demo days and go to several different dealers and really get fanatical about it. I literally flip a coin, like I don't even think about it, right? Because it's a different size business. So to say that I'm like against debt, for example, actually very false. Because most large companies need that debt to grow and expand, and they do it very wisely. But I know that 90% of the people listening to me that aren't running those sides of businesses are going to get debt because I said that's a good thing, and they're going to absolutely ruin themselves in the next 24 months because they're not going to be able to stay up with interest rates. Mm. And so the size of the business is extremely important in terms of what information you're consuming. And um, it's not to say you can't learn from someone lower or higher than you in terms of size of business, but you need to synthesize that data as like, okay, this data point is a good data point when I'm that size. It's not where I'm at now. This data point is good for someone smaller than me. It's not good for me. 
Um, there's just different levels of leadership, financing, marketing that are relevant at different sizes of businesses. So to just take general information and then fortunately with short clips and short form content, people take those and like, oh, I need to do that. Like I can, I need to go like use the Augusta rule to like save my own taxes and rent my house out to myself or like go and pay my child money that's six years old. I'm gonna pay them $6,000 a year. For, yeah. Like, look, that that is dumb information for 99% of people. So um, yeah, yeah. Just no, it's context it, matters and size of business. Context matters. It's kind of like biblical context. You can you could relate it to the Bible. Like when you're t- when you're reading things in the Bible, and it's like remember who remember who they're speaking to. Like what are they saying? What are they talking to in the Bible? It's, it's, it's crazy how stuff relates like that. Do you have a specific book or two that has helped you grow uh, scale scalability wise, and then just overall just as a as a person and an entrepreneur? Not really. Um, I don't. Um, I listen to a lot of YouTube, um, like YouTube premium, best money you'll ever spend. You can turn your phone off and just listen to audio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I really don't drill down super deep. I, I used to kind of go, I chose a couple of people and drove really deep on them. And that was Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk. Both of those guys now, I can hardly stand either of them. Um, but back in earlier my day, like I drove very deep on both of them, understanding who they are, what makes them tick, what makes them operate well. But now I can't stand them. Um, why, why is really that? Is it, is it because they're misleading people with their short form content, like their one, their thirty second no, phrases? No, no. What is it? No, um, you know, okay. So specifically, so Grant, I think he is way too promotional. Um, he thinks like the sun shines out of him and says some <laughs> stupid stuff sometimes. I, um, I I would have to agree. Very proud and cocky. Yeah, I, I don't like that that form of what he's doing. Um. And I do think he misrepresents some of the things with, with Cardone Capital. Yeah. Um, because I know real estate a little bit and I, I know enough to say that. Gary, I would just say, I don't, I don't, it's not I'm against him. I like listening <laughs> to, especially his 4D thing. But I, I do feel like he's gone so soft on the soft skills. Mm. He's forgot that like what got to him to where he is at is grinding and working really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and he, he's, I know he's trying to balance, he's trying to compensate like for what he used to be, which was like the hustle guy. And everyone would be like, he'd always be screaming about hustling and working seven days a week. And obviously he's trying to balance himself out. But um, the whole thing with like NFTs and him getting involved in that, uh, it's a bad look. I think it's going to be bad for his brand. Um, and I think he gets involved into technology way too soon. So like he was all about voice a couple years ago. Yeah. No one's using voice very much right now. Um, the same thing with NFTs. I think this is going to change the world. Everyone in a couple of years is going to be, there will be no like, digital uh, physical ticket gets smaller he's too far ahead right so he 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 is what he talks about and he is 10 years ahead of everyone else and the market is still far behind that so um he's because he's in tech and all the rest of it right so that's just my little no that's no i like it that those are those are valid those are valid statements 100 percent. tell me this what do you think ai is going to do for our industry is there is ai going to be something as it evolves is it going to be able to help us because i know uh, a lot chat gpt is the the talk of the town right now um and ai is definitely a segue there dude Nice segue. Went from tech there, and then you just brought that in. That was nice. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I try. Uh, so, what does AI look like for you and and helping uh, helping our businesses grow? Yeah, like um, in my opinion, um, this is kind of formed with the process of like with our franchisees, we have the coaches, right? And so they have monthly coaching call. They go over certain numbers. They fill out a scorecard, and so when something has escalated to my level, it's usually something's going wrong in the business, and the, the coaches don't come to me and like talk about like what's going on in the business. They just give me a few numbers. 
because they know that based on my few numbers, I'll have the data I need to know what's going on in the company. And so they'll say close ratio. They'll say um, how much they spent on marketing. They might say um, what percentage of their revenue is recurring, whatever it is. They'll give me a few data points. And they'll know that based upon that data, I'll be able to synthesize exactly what should happen in the company. And they typically can too. Um, and so there's just no reason for that to have to be going through me or a human being. It should be going through a software database. It should be going through an AI-driven model that is like, hey, based upon the past four months, this month, your close ratio is significantly lower. Here's why. You're taking longer to respond to customers. You're sending the estimates out three days later than usual. Um, uh, these services you're offering more of, your close ratio is lower on them. Your pricing is higher significantly than it was. Through. Like This is all math. It's all math. Um, and that model can predict exactly and tell an owner what they should be doing, who they should fire, who they should hire, um, which customers they should cut, which services they should add or cut from their service base, um, what their service radius is, and which customers they should cut because they're too far away. Um, and it's all unemotional. It's just based upon the math, not based upon, you know, who was your first customer, who gives you a Gatorade every time you come over their lawn. None of that. It's just like, here's the math. Here's how to run a great, a better business. We'll give you the un, the objective, the completely objective data on that. Um, and so I'm very, very passionate about AI. I, I really believe it will at first automate the numbers side down the road. I think it's still five years away, three to five years away, automating the uh, customer service side in terms of taking service complaints, um, the ability to be able to onboard someone, schedule them all via done AI, uh, it's all very possible. The tech's already there just when it becomes actually usable for us. So I think AI is like the next four, four a that we ought to focus on. And um, so we're trying to do that. It's kind of scary. It's kind of scary how, uh, how smart it is and how smart it's being built to, to be. Do you think it's going to start taking jobs at some point? hundred percent. The same way that, you know, if you were owned a stable, you'd probably be freaked out about the car coming along. Right. Mm. So, um, but we figured it out. We figured out how to, you know, adapt. And now we have manufacturing and we do plants and build cars, yeah. right? We have mines that get all the minerals and we do all this other stuff to have cars. So when AI rolls around, yeah, it'll put a lot of people out of business. It'll put a lot of, uh, it already has put a lot of copywriters out of business, uh, marketers to have copy for the ads. Um, so uh, creativity will become more and more uh, numerically based uh, because now you have an algorithm that can, can pump out creative information and be uh, edited and modified. Uh, but what that's going to do is allow us to focus on things that are that that cannot do the, the the things in our business that an algorithm can't do. For example, it's it's not going to hire someone, interview them, and get them to come work and onboard them and train them effectively for decades. Mm. There's still going to be a human for that. There's going to be a system with a real nice face, that smiles and handshakes, and has a training process and shows them how to weed whack and shows them how to blow. That can't be done by AI. So hopefully. Hopefully, if we automate things like what your numbers are and how to take a customer service complaint and all these other things that AI can do, it'll allow us as owners to focus on the things that actually move the business forward, which is like our team and focusing on them and training them um, and how to, you know, figure out our marketing and how to create a better offer and are the creative. And that's the thing that will move the business forward, not simply knowing the number doesn't change your business. The number needs to be done, though. So right now, we spend all this time like doing our books. And doing all these other things that will one day completely be automated and hopefully give us the time to focus on the soft skills that so many of us don't have time for. All yeah. Businesses are going to develop. Things are going to change. And I think it's a very, very bright future ahead. I tell you what, I got one final question for you, man. It's pretty simple. It can't be complex. It's just what is your why? 
Yes, yeah, like my personal one here. I'll pull it up on my. Uh, I have it on my uh, email signatures. So, like, uh, personally for me, like the you know, from a business standpoint, it's to change the level of professionalism in the landscaping industry. Um, for me personally, it's more around. I want to inspire others by the words I say and the work I do, so they achieve their own personal success and spiritual potential. So that's kind of like my quote unquote why. Um, but you know, in terms of business, like we want to change the level of professionalism in the landscaping industry. And I think we just do that um, by hopefully controlling every aspect of the business. So obviously we're going to the CRM world, um, but even like when, you know, CPA, we have home service, CPA.com, longcarewebdesign.com, um, a bunch of services like that that we already kind of, we just want to vertically integrate across the whole industry and hopefully control all that. We want to have a bank one day um, to be able to wow. do a lot of that stuff for long care, long care guys. So that's, that's the idea. Awesome, man. I love seeing the journey of you building all of it. It's been cool to see you grow uh, on socials over the last couple of years. Where can everybody find you if they want to keep up with you and le- learn, more, uh, learn more about these customer acquisition costs? Because I know you put out a lot of free content, just a lot of videos that you get back to the community. So where can everybody see all that stuff at? Yeah, just YouTube, just youtube.com slash MikeAndys. Um, there was the one keynote, some of the stuff I mentioned about uh, some of these KPIs and things uh, that we put up on the channel from conference to opening keynote. Um, that was last week. So check that one out. Um, but yeah, MikeAndy's.com. There's a whole bunch of stuff on there too. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this. I think it's going to inspire them to get there, get everything set up the way they need to be set up heading into spring rush just a few weeks away. I mean, it's just literally around the corner. It's crazy. We're already at this point. Thank you uh, for tuning in today, guys. If you did enjoy the show, go, uh, go send Mike a message. Say thanks for coming on today. Let him know. Post it on your stories. Tag us and we'll repost it. But uh, other than that, just thanks for tuning in. Leave us a big five-star rating and review and look forward to catching up with everybody here on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green Podcast. It is an honor to have you listening, and we hope you receive valuable advice to help take your business to the next level. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode drops.